Well, we want to welcome you to uh, Southwinds on this Memorial Day weekend, and we hope and pray that you will have just a restful and relaxing uh, time with family and friends as we remember uh, those who have gone before us, those who have made uh, the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. If you were uh, here this last week, then you know that uh, Commitment Sunday was really a great day here at Southwinds, right? Amen. And uh, next Sunday will be Celebration Sunday, and we're going to come back, all of us together, to celebrate uh, the great things that God is doing at Southwinds through our next-gen journey, the great things that we are anticipating are going to happen that will impact future generations. We're also going to be having baptisms next week, and if you are ready to take that step, we want to invite you to let us know uh, so we can include you in, in that. And, and I know that uh, many of you are here today, and you are wondering, and you want to ask Pastor Mike, well, what's the total of our commitments? Anybody want to know what the total of our commitments is? You're going to have to come back next week because I'm not going to tell you today. Um, I want to tell you, I'd like to tell you, but it's not quite time yet to celebrate because not every one of us has, is done with the process of making our commitments. There are still some of us uh, that are in that stage, and we want to give everyone a chance uh, to be a part uh, to make a commitment to what God is doing here uh, at Southwinds before we celebrate. Now, if you were here last week, you may remember that um, I gave a very strong challenge to our, our family here, maybe one of the strongest that I've ever given, and I told some of us that maybe you should take those cards and take them home because you're not really ready yet, and if you knew that, uh, you probably did that, and, and I know because some of you have told me that was the case for you. You needed more time. Uh, some of you have come to me and told me about how you've kind of been praying this past week, planning uh, what God uh, would have you to do. Uh, even a couple people came and said, you know what, Pastor Mike had already made a commitment, and it was a serious commitment, but during our, our commitment Sunday, I felt the Lord speaking to me, and I'm changing my commitment to something uh, greater than that. You know, people are in different parts of this journey, and there are some people who are going to make their commitments today. You can put your commitments in the offering bag at the end of the service. And there are going to be some who will make their commitments uh, in this week uh, that is ahead of us. So next Sunday, we'll get back together and we're going to reveal the total of what all of us uh, collectively have committed to the Lord's work here in the days ahead. And it's going to be a really great service. We're going to have some, uh, uh, some really fun things we're doing. And I just, all I can say is don't miss it, okay? You don't want uh, to be uh, uh, out on this. You don't want to miss it. So uh, one more thing, next week, I would love to be able to share some stories about how this uh, next-gen journey has impacted your particular life. Uh, answers to questions like, well, how has God been growing your faith? What has God been teaching you during this time? Uh, if there's something that you'd like to share, please email me at mnolan at southwinds.org. I, I would love to hear. Maybe God stretched your faith during this time. Maybe God's challenged you in some ways that are new for you. Maybe you got in a small group during Next Gen for the very first time in your life. And here's the deal. I would love it if you would write the majority of my message next week. Because I've been working really, really hard these last few weeks. And so I could use some time off. So if you guys could send me enough stuff, you know, it could be stories. It also could be pictures. If you have some really great pictures of something, it might even be a video from your group or anything like that. Anything at all. If you could send it in to us, that would help all of us together celebrate. Make sense? All right. Well, look forward to that. 
Amen. And uh, today I want to turn your attention to our message, which is how to finish what you start. So here's my question as we get started today. Um, How many of you here today have ever run in the Bay to Breakers race? Would you raise your hand if you're here? Uh, Quite a number of you. Uh, So you know kind of what that race is like. Well, actually, two weeks ago today, the 2016 Bay to Breakers was run. There were 40,000 runners that were there. The Chronicle, uh, in its story about the race, called it, quote, an annual two-legged bit of aerobic nonsense. And if you've run the race, you know what that's all talking about. If you'd been there this year, you would have seen uh, people dressed as Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, you know, running the race. Uh, You would have seen some people dressed in coffin costumes, dressed as alien cheerleaders. Uh, You would have seen purple gorillas running with dinosaurs and bananas and people having pillow fights as they ran the race and a lot, lot more. Now, here's the thing. Having seen all of this, does anybody want to guess what the guy who actually won the race looked like? Not like this, right? He looked like that because running a race, when you really run it, is a serious thing. Uh, Running a race is a hard thing. It's easy to start the race. There's a lot of foolishness, a lot of laughing and craziness going on at the beginning of the race in the early stages of the race. But usually by the time you get to the end of the race, it's gotten hard. Now, this same principle really does apply to all of life, no matter what you're you're doing. Starting out is fun, right? But it's finishing that's always much, much harder than starting. Now, I'm going to do a show of hands now, okay? And uh, got a couple questions for you. Just want you to be ready to, to raise your hand. How many of you here in this service have ever done a home improvement project? Would you raise your hands? How many of you would agree that finishing a home improvement project is much harder than starting a home improvement project? Yeah, amen, amen. How, how many of you have one unfinished a project at your home right now? How many of you would like to register for marital counseling because of that un- unfinished home improvement project? I see these hands. Yeah, they're waving all over this, all over this auditorium. How, how about this one? How many people are married here today? Would you raise your hands? Okay, married people. How many of you are married would agree that, that being married is harder than getting married? Would you raise your hands? Everybody's hands should be up, except maybe for the newlyweds, right? Now, how many parents do we have here? You can raise your hands if you're a parent. Okay, uh, parents, how many of you would, would you agree that, that raising kids is way harder than conceiving kids? <laughs> I mean, generally speaking, I mean, so. And that's exactly what we want to talk about today, conceiving kids. Um, no, actually, our subject is how to finish what you start. Uh, Because following Christ, the race of faith is not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And here's why I want to talk to you about this. Southwinds has been going through a very important season in our church's history. And and there's a lot of you who've talked to me about how exciting this next-gen season is as we are together thinking about the future, thinking about all that God can do through us here at Southwinds Church. And so the question is going to face us very, very quickly as we finish this season. How do we keep going? How do we finish? 
Because it's exciting to start the race. It's exciting to make commitments. And, and next week, it's going to be exciting to hear uh, all that God has done. But this is just like the starting line of a race. Lots of fun, lots of excitement. So how do we not let the excitement that we begin with fade away? How do we not let the excitement of all the potential, all the possibilities, not kind of just drift off and, and out of our minds? How can we stay focused on God's mission for us for the rest of this year, the year after that, the year following, and, and, and beyond that? Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, is one of the best places in all the Bible to tell us how we can run life's race of faith, how we can endure I want to read what the writer says to us in these verses, and you can follow along in your copy of God's Word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I, I particularly love how the New Century Version puts verse 1. It says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of people whose lives tell us what faith means. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up. Never give up. You know, maybe you walked in here today and, and you were ready to just give up on something in your life. Well, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, tells you four important things you need to know if you want to finish up instead of giving up. Here's the first one. Find strength from those who've gone before me. Find strength from those who've gone before me. We see this in verse 1. And, and when the book of Hebrews was written, sports was the dominant popular entertainment. It's a culture that we ought to connect to because sports is really big in, in our country, in our culture. And back in that time, any city of any size would have had a stadium. And often it would have been a huge stadium. And it would have been huge even by modern standards. In fact, the largest stadium of that day, the Circus Maximus, uh, could seat 250,000 people. Now, the writer is telling his readers this. He says, I want you to try to imagine that you are in a stadium like that. You are in one of the races. You're a runner on the track. And you look up and you see the crowd going crazy cheering for you. And you're hearing all these cheers, people cheering you on. And then as you run, you look up into the stands and you see that the people who are cheering for you are, are not just fans. They're your heroes. They're the people you've modeled your life after. They are in the stands and they are cheering you on and, and they are your biggest fans. So it's like, it would be like for me, I'm a Giants fan. I've been a Giants fan for almost 50 years now. It would be like I'm running the race of life. I'm competing and I would look up and there's Willie Mays and he's cheering me. I mean, Willie Mays is cheering me on. That's what the writer is saying. That's what he's telling us is happening spiritually for us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You say, well, what exactly uh, are those great cloud of witnesses? Who are those people? Well, in Hebrews, they're all those great heroes of faith that we read about in the chapter before in Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of faith. 
And so the author is just saying, look up in the stands as you run. There's Abraham and there's Moses. There's Jacob and Joseph and Rahab and David. And those great people are on their feet and they are rooting for you. You are surrounded, he says, by a great cloud of witnesses, all of them cheering, go, go, go. You can make it. You can do it. And I think it's not just Bible heroes. I think of all the great people of faith that I've known, all the great people of faith that you've known, those who have finished their race and they have gone on before us. Maybe today you would think of your parents. Maybe today you would think of your grandparents. Maybe for some of us it would be even a child and and they are with the Lord now and you can know that they are cheering you on. They are saying you can make it. Go, go, go. I mean, you put this all together. It's an awesome picture, right? Some of you hear all this And you're thinking right now, you're saying to yourself, well, that's not me. That's not me. I heard someone say one time, you know what? I think if all those people could all see me right now, they were booing because I just keep falling and I just keep failing. I want to remind you of something that we've all seen. You ever watched a football game on TV or maybe you've been in a football stadium watching uh, a game and a football player gets injured and stays down on the ground way too long after the play. And when that happens, it's like the whole stadium kind of holds its breath, right? And we wait and we wait and then he finally He gets back up and he walks off the field. Isn't it true that always about the loudest cheers of the day are for that guy because he got back up, because he didn't stay down, he got back in the game? You see, this great cloud of witnesses that's surrounding you, here's something else you need to know. Every one of them knows what it means to fail. Go back and read Hebrews 11 for yourself and see what I mean. I mean, think of all their stories. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, David, all these great, 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 great men. But all of them were also great failures. They all knew personally what it meant to fall, to fail, and then to experience God's grace. Those are the people who can encourage us. Those are the people with whom we find strength. Their their stories are telling us, don't give up. Keep on running. And so we find strength from those who have gone before. Second thing the author tells us is travel light. Travel light. You know, something that anybody here who's run and all of you who've like been in that beta breakers race, you know exactly what I'm talking about is that we have today all kinds of high-tech gear, right? All kinds of specialized things that are made just for running. We have shirts and shorts and shoes and socks, and they're made out of space-age materials and also light. Sometimes it's like they're not hardly even there. And that is a huge thing when you're running, isn't it? Especially if you're running a long way because regular clothing, regular shoes can get so heavy, wear you down. Now, by contrast, this is a true story I came across. Uh, Not too long ago, a man named Lloyd Scott actually ran the London Marathon in a 120-pound antique diving suit. Look at at this picture. His goal was to become the slowest marathon runner in history, and he achieved his goal. He finished the race in five days, eight hours, 29 minutes, and 46 seconds. And then in 2012, a little bit after that, he ran the London Marathon this way, pulling a 10-foot-long 
200-pound dragon wearing a 100-pound suit of armor. Now, when I read about this and saw these pictures, I thought to myself, that's ridiculous. Then you think that when you look at this? And then I thought to myself, that's also a picture of so many people that I know trying to run the race of faith. And they're just loaded down. They're just weighed down with all kinds of things. Worries, addictions, bad habits, sins they won't repent of. See, that's what the writer is talking about when he goes on to say, still in verse 1, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, in, in this phrase here, he says that we need to get rid of two things. First, he says, everything that hinders. And in the KJV, the King James Version, translates this, every weight. And what he's talking about here is not necessarily something that's wrong, not necessarily something that's sin. It's just whatever might be weighing you down. It doesn't help you run the race of faith. He's just saying, don't try to run a marathon carrying a burden, carrying weight. And you know, there's probably some of you who have been asking yourself, why is this race of faith so hard? Why is it so hard to follow Christ? And the answer may be, maybe you are making it unnecessarily difficult. Have you ever asked yourself that? Am I making following Jesus unnecessarily difficult? See, the author is telling us this. Number one, get rid of any unnecessary weights. And so when we think about that, what are some of the weights that some of us might be carrying? Well, it could be any number of things. Some of you are here right now, and you are, and you know it. You are being weighed down with worries. Worries. You want to run the race of faith, but every night you stay awake, stay up late, worrying and worrying and worrying. And you get up in the morning, you go on your commute and you spend your commute worrying and you worry about what other people think. You worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. You just worry and it's a weight and it's weighing you down. Other people, you, you are handicapped by the huge weight of some bad habit. And you've just been carrying it around for years and you know you shouldn't, but you just keep dragging it with you and it's slowing you down in the race of faith. And then there's others of you, the most common weight that I see people carrying. You want to know what it is? It's the weight of bitterness, resentment over something somebody did to you somewhere in your past. And you just can't seem to let it go. Truth of the matter is you won't let it go. You're choosing to carry a weight. It's weighing you down. It's so important that we deal with bitterness in our life. That's why uh, the author, a few verses on from where we are, Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, a root's a very small thing, but it can cause a lot of trouble. It can defile a lot of relationships. I recently read about a guy who successfully ran all the way across the country, started on the East Coast, ran to the West Coast, 3,000 miles. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Can you imagine running 3,000 miles? And he was asked about the toughest obstacle that he encountered along the way. You know what he said it was? He said it wasn't the steep slopes of the Rockies or the hot stretches of the desert. He said, the thing that came the closest to defeating me was the sand in my shoes. He said sometimes he almost obsessed about it. And you know, there are some of you kind of in this place. You're, you're not 
carrying a huge weight. There is not really some sin that you still feel guilty about, but you just, you have a lot of sand weighing you down. It's all kinds of little pet grievances, just one after another after another. Minor annoyances of things that people have done to you. You're always getting all twisted up in a knot. Stupid things that you've done to yourself and you can't let go of that. You just won't let go of that. It's little things, but together it becomes a weight. It's weighing you down in the race of faith. The author is just saying, whatever your weight is, get rid of it. Get rid of everything that hinders you. And then second, he tells us we are to get rid of any sin in our lives. Get rid of any sin in your life. He writes, and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, in the original Greek text, the author uses a definite article. He says, the sin. And he seems to be referring to a specific sin that is likely to entangle you. It's something that could be just personal for you. It's not a deal for someone else as much, but it really is the thing that entangles you. So I want to ask you this morning, what is the sin, the sin, that most entangles you? It's different for all sorts of people, but whatever it is for you, it has to go. Will you get rid of it? See, sometimes you may look at that thing and you think, well, other people are doing it. It it may not be that big a deal for them, but it is for you. And even if everyone else is doing it, you know it's entangling you. It's tripping you up in the race of faith. You know, there could be some of you hearing all this and thinking, well, that's all fine and well, but really it's too late for me because I've already blown it. I have tripped up so many times in the race. It is too late. I may as well quit. Now, if you're carrying guilt over a sin that has entangled you, I want to say two things to you about that. And this is not going to be on the screen. Just you need to write it down. Number one, you need to be reminded that Jesus Christ on the cross took away your guilt. He died as the payment for your sins. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you can put down that guilt. God does not want you to carry it anymore. You can run light. And then second, if you are a person who feels like, you know, I just keep falling and falling and falling and falling. Surely no one is cheering me on anymore. Surely God just wants me to quit. I have been such a disappointment. And then second, you need to hear this. It doesn't matter how many times you fall in the race of faith. It doesn't matter how many times you fall in the race of faith. The race is not over You know how I know? Well, you're still alive. Can I just check and see who here is breathing air right now? Would you please raise your hand? See, everyone in this room right now is still living. That means your race of faith is not done. That means you can get back up and you can keep going. And when you do, amazing things can happen. A few years ago, 2008, it was the, the Women's Big Ten uh, Track and Field Indoor Championships, and there was a student runner uh, at the University of Minnesota named Heather Dornadin who became very famous during that meet. I want you to watch this video of a race she was in, the 600 meter. Sophomore from Penn State, Dornadin running second. 
Dorman last year scored 23 points for the Golden Gophers in their Big Ten Championship. So they're really relying on getting a lot of points from her this weekend. And she's just coming by Fondor now in the home stretch, heading into the Bell Lap. Dorman falling down gets up quickly, but that's going to cost her. Lucky she wasn't injured. Her teammate just went to the front, though, so they may be able to recover from that. And Dorden is flying down the back stretch. She is she catching is, up. She is going to catch Fondor, and she may catch the leader. Wow. But she's got Fond. This is a gutsy effort by Dorden. I mean, everybody's just screaming. They're going crazy because, like, how did that happen? I mean, it's like the most amazing thing they ever saw, right? To fall down like that and get back up. And here's the thing. That applies to you, too. Same thing. It doesn't matter how many times you've fallen. It doesn't matter how slowly maybe you've been running the race. All that matters is will you get back up and will you keep on running? I mean, who cares? Think about it. How many times you've messed up in life. God says he forgives. He pardons us. He sets us free. He wipes the slate clean. All that matters really is how we end the race. What will you do from here on out starting today? And that just leads right into the third thing we see. Uh, point number three that the author tells us is just keep running just keep running. Just run steady. He doesn't say run faster, run harder, just steady. Just keep on keeping on. Here's the rest of verse one. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I want you to notice it doesn't say run with speed. It doesn't say, you know, run as harder than anyone else. All it says is run with perseverance. The Wired Magazine published an article a couple of years ago, called The Perfect Human. And it was about this guy whose name is Dean Karnazes. I want you to listen to this. Dean Karnazes was slobbering drunk. It was his 30th birthday, and he'd started with beer and moved on to tequila shots at a bar near his home in San Francisco. Now after midnight, an attractive young woman, not his wife, was hitting on him. This was not the life he'd imagined for himself. He was a corporate hack desperately running the rat race. The company had just bought him a new Lexus, but he wanted to vomit. Carnazis resisted the urge and instead slipped out the bar's back door and walked a few blocks to his house. On the back porch, he found an old pair of sneakers. He stripped down to his T-shirt and underwear, laced up the shoes, and started running. It seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> he sobered up in Daly City, about 15 miles south, it was nearly four in the morning, so he decided to keep running. I mean, that's what I would do if I sobered up in Daly City at four in the morning in my underwear. <laughs> I would just keep running. When the sun came up, Carnazes was trotting south along Route 1, heading towards Santa Cruz. He had covered 30 miles. In the process, he'd had a blinding realization there were untapped reservoirs within him. It was like a religious conversion. He had been born again as a long-distance runner. He called his wife from a payphone, and an hour later, she found him in the parking lot of a 7-Eleven. He passed out in the car on the way home. 
That was August 1992. Since then, Carnazes has challenged almost every known endurance running limit. He covered 350 miles without sleeping, took more than three days. He ran the first and only marathon to the South Pole, finishing second. And at age 44, he completed 50 marathons in 50 consecutive days, one in each of the 50 states. The last one was in New York City. And after that, he decided he would just run home to San Francisco. I mean, you talk about someone who knows how to run steady. I've read that Dean Karnazes is actually a Christ follower now. And one of the things that he will tell anyone who asks is, is this. He'll say, I'm not an elite runner. I never win these marathons, but I know how to finish. And he says that one of the biggest lessons he's learned is that pain really is needed for gain. He says, somewhere along the line, we seem to have confused comfort with happiness. Any goal worth achieving involves an element of risk and pain. Any goal worth achieving. And the writer of Hebrews agrees. The word that he uses for race is the Greek word agon. We get our word agony from it. Because life's race is agony at times, isn't it? See, as your pastor, one of the things that I want you to understand is that the race of faith is hard sometimes. Sometimes it is agony. This is not heaven. We're not home yet. There will be times when we get discouraged. We'll get discouraged with ourselves. We'll get discouraged with God. We'll get discouraged with our circumstances. You know, some of you have found yourself thinking, you can just be honest with yourself about this. You found yourself thinking, you know, maybe marriage is not all it's cracked up to be. Maybe getting a college degree is not all it's cracked up to be. Maybe even, maybe following Jesus is not all it's cracked up to be. And you're going to want to quit. You're going to ask yourself, why did I ever get involved in this stupid race anyway? You need to be reminded that's not the end. That's what runners call hitting the wall. And you can keep going. You say, well, how do I keep going? How do I get past the wall? And this is a huge thing. We don't have time to explore it in depth, but you need to hear it. The key to endurance is training. And what do I mean by that? Well, there are a lot of people who think that the way you grow as a Christ follower is just you keep trying harder, do more, do it harder, try harder, try harder. But the truth is we grow by training. Just steadily building the basic spiritual disciplines into your life. Honestly, it's really not that complicated. Reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, getting connected to other Christ followers in small group fellowship. And you will be amazed how faithfully practicing basic disciplines like these over time begins to build strength and build endurance into your life and it does it like nothing Else, And I want to tell you something, and I want you to hear me today. There are some of you who are here, and you are faltering. You are even failing. And the honest truth is this. The reason for your faltering and for your failing is you are keeping on choosing not to train. You are choosing not to train. And you've been told how you can do this. You've been given opportunities to do this. You've been given tools to do this. We do this all the time around here. But you're choosing not to train. And as a result, the race is not going well for you. 
You know, if you've been around here very long, you know that I regularly from this place tell you, you need to be in a small group. It's because it's part of your training. You know, if you've been around here very long, that I tell you, you need to have a regular time with God where you read his word and, and you, you pray. I, I, I tell you that again and again and again, and yet some of us have chosen not to do those things. I want to give you another opportunity today to get on the track, so to speak, to do some real basic training. And it's something we've done before. And uh, I was just thinking about it this week. We've done this a couple of times. In fact, we started this year out with this little piece of paper here called NT90. This was our New Year's challenge. I know some of you did it. And the basic challenge is if you read just a couple chapters a day, you can read the New Testament in three months. And we have we still have a number of these sheets out in the lobby in the, in the uh, card rack that's out there. And it still says New Year's Challenge, but that doesn't matter. You can scratch that out and say summer 2016. And guess what? June 1 is coming up real quickly this week, right? And for those of you who like to start and end on neat, clean dates, <laughs> no excuses. Pick one of these up. Start reading God's Word. See if your summer can be a time of training and not a time of kind of sliding off the track. See, the key to endurance is training. That's, that's part of why later on in this chapter, verses 12 and 13, the author says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. I mean, if you look at that and you realize these are the words of an athletic trainer, he's just saying, you know, train yourself so that you're strengthened. But he's also saying something else, I think. He's saying, don't run the race in a way that will injure you. You know, some Christians, they don't train, and so they're not in shape to run the race. But then there's some of us who, in the name of endurance, we just keep working so hard, never letting up. We never strengthen what is weak in our lives. And what happens is something that's a little bit sprained ends up getting broken. Maybe in our spirit, maybe emotionally, and some of us maybe have heard some message on running the marathon of faith, and we just think that means i got to be a workaholic for Jesus. And that's not what it says. Some of us could end up ruining our lives, ruining our well-being. I don't want you to hear that in this message. Just keep running does not mean kill yourself. It's exactly the opposite. Actually, uh, what it's saying to us is pace yourself. Think of what you need to do spiritually to stay healthy for the long run because your church needs you to stay healthy spiritually for the long run. We need you. Your, your community needs you to stay healthy spiritually for the long run. This world needs you to stay healthy spiritually for the long run. And God, your Father, wants you to stay healthy spiritually for the long run. That's number three. Number four, maintain your focus. Maintain your focus. You know, one of the things you learn in the Christian life is that the most motivating thing you can do uh, as a Christian is to focus on Jesus Christ. Verses two and three say, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary, and lose heart. Now, don't miss this. Jesus endured the cross. Why? 
for the joy set before him, it says. Well, what does that mean? Well, metaphorically, Jesus is running this race and there's some goal, there's some prize, some medal, some reward, some joy set before him. And he is running the race for that joy. What's that joy? Well, it wasn't just being with the Father again in heaven. Think about it. What did he accomplish on the cross? What was the prize for his suffering? And the Bible tells us it was you and me. In other words, the joy set before Jesus was what his death accomplished. He died for our sins. He was raised again so that we might live, so that we could be with him in glory. In other words, we are the joy set before him. And that should be our joy as well. See, the Bible tells us that one day we will all see in heaven Jesus, and we will be his pure and spotless bride. And on that day, when everything wrong will be made right, That means that all the sin and all the tears and all the disease and all the pain, all the grief and suffering, all of it will be all gone. Everything will be made right. That is the prize that awaits us after the finish line. That's the goal. And so that means for us, for the joy set before us, we can endure the cross as we keep our focus on Jesus. I read this week about a United States runner named Marla Runyon, who has been legally blind for 22 years. In spite of this, she actually competed in the 2000 Summer Olympic Games in Sydney, Australia. She actually qualified for the 1,500-meter finals. She finished eight, just three seconds behind the medal winners. You might wonder, how in the world does she do it? Well, Marla actually can't see in color, and what she does see is just fuzzy blobs. And so she says, in a race... She just follows the blob of figures in front of her. She, she told TV commentator Tom Hemmons that the real difficulty was in rounding that final turn and racing toward a finish line that I can't see. But I just know where it is. You know, sometimes in life, it's going to feel like Jesus is hard to see. Sometimes he feels very far away. But here's the thing. We know where he is. The Bible tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us. The Bible tells us that he lives within us. And one day, the Bible tells us he will welcome us into eternal glory. And so we can endure. We can keep running. We do that as we keep our focus on him. Anybody here know that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, if I fix my eyes on Jesus, those things that worry me, those things that annoy me, that stress me out, those things that angry, anger me, those things that make me discouraged and depressed, all those things can grow strangely dim in the light of Jesus' glory and grace. See, we all have different things that distract us, things that can sideline us in life's race. We're we're all just human, but those things can fade away as as we focus on Jesus. I hope you see that that is what distinguishes this message today from some self-improvement talk. 
See, I want you to be clear on this. The big idea that I'm sharing with you today is not try harder. The big idea is trust Jesus. And the more you and I fix our eyes on Jesus, the easier it will be to lay aside every weight, the easier it will be to just run steady with endurance. I'm going to ask you before we close today, what's your next step in life's race? So God never brings you to a place like this to hear a message like this without wanting you to do something about it, to take a step of obedience, to take a step of faith. What's your next step? It's going to be different for every one of us, but let me give you some suggestions. Some of us here today are maybe in the grinded out phase of the race, you know, somewhere in the lonely middle miles of the marathon and and you're just running in the dark or you're running in the rain or you're running in pain. Maybe you're, maybe you're at home, a mom at home with little kids, and you're, you're working at the same time. You're also caring for elderly parents, and just the grind of it all is wearing you down. Or maybe you're here, and you're giving your life to some job that is just sucking the life out of you. So how do you last when you're hitting the wall like that? Well, there are several things that I could say, but I want to tell you, and I, I've said it before, and I said it earlier today, what helps more than anything else is finding some running partners. Maybe your next step is to reach out and get involved in a small group for the first time. You know, somebody is here today maybe, and your next step is to get involved in a small group again because you've been in a group and you know what it does for you. And for some reason, you've stepped away You need to step back in because you need that encouragement. You need that strength. Maybe that's your next step, to find some friends that can encourage you. Some of you are maybe in the sprint towards the end of the race, and you find yourself just winded, exhausted, but the goal is in sight. You can see it up ahead, so don't give up. Keep your eyes on Christ. We are cheering you on. The the heavenly hosts are cheering you on. Keep running. Some of you are weighed down by some sin in your life. And today, well, your step is you need to lay it down. You you need to repent and you need to turn away from it. You need to stop. It may be some addiction that has its claws in you and it is tearing you apart. It is weighing and wearing you down. I don't know if you know this, most of you do, but maybe some of you don't, but we have Celebrate Recovery meets here at Southman's every Friday. You would not believe how many people in this room right now gather every Friday, gather in step studies throughout the week because we need it. We need each other. And maybe that's your opportunity to lay it down and to get back in the race. There may be some of you here today and you're at the starting line and maybe you just recently began your, your race of faith and what you need to hear is to, to endure past the first couple of miles when, when it's all exciting and everything is new and fresh. Well, to endure, you need to start some regular habits, faithful habits of Bible reading, Bible memory, prayer, hanging out with Christian friends in a small group. And then one last group of people. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking about starting the race. Maybe you've been coming to Southlands for a while with some friends and maybe you've been thinking about getting into the race. And I just want to say right now, what better time to get in the race than during this next-gen journey that we're all on together? See, God is going to help you every mile, but he can't help you 
until you start. He, he can't help you take the next step until you take the first step. And so today for you would be just a great day to say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. And you can do that today. You can do that wherever you are, whatever stage of this life's race of faith that you're in. God has something that he wants you to do. Will you commit yourself to that? I want to invite you to bow your heads and we're going to pray. And as we pray, just ask God for his leadership. What does he want you to do? Father, I pray for everyone here today. Lord, may we all be able to say what Paul said at the end of his life. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. And Lord, we often uh, need to be reminded that life is hard because it's, it's easy for us to feel like giving up so many times. And I, I'm sure that many people here today have been at the quitting point, maybe even in the last couple weeks. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them even now. Would you help them finish whatever race they're in to f- complete whatever you've started in their lives? Remind us all, Lord, there are so many blessings that come when we endure, when we keep on, even when we want to quit. And Lord, so I just invite all of us to pray in our hearts, Father, thank you for your glory and grace. Father, I want to finish the race. Will you fill me with your power through your risen son, Jesus Christ? And maybe, maybe you want to take the first step. And so if that's you, you can pray, Lord, I don't understand all of this, but I know that I want to follow you. And so today I choose to place my trust in Jesus and to fix my eyes on him, my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people together say, Amen. Amen.